spikes are showing. Uh, the winds are blowing. The labor is... I don't have anything for that one. Welcome, everybody, to Work Stoppage, the most incredible podcast in the entire world. I'm back. I know you all had a great time without me with our wonderful friend, Ethan. And I listened to the episode, and it fucking rocked. Um, but it's good to be back uh, now that I live in Michigan again. So I'm here. I think you understand that. And we also have our other co-hosts, Lena and Dan. Hey. Hello, everybody. And we're going to start off with a little bit of a check-in on the status of Columbia that I think we covered. I mean, I was going to say, like, last, technically, if we had done this in the order that it was originally intended, it would have been the previous episode, but then we did two episodes in between. (laughs) Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. This has been going on for a few weeks, although... Um, it's a continuation of a long-term struggle in Colombia, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like we mentioned uh, before, you know there have just been continuous demonstrations against uh, the both the neoliberal like austerity program instituted by the uh, Ivan Duque government at the behest of their uh, United States neocolonial masters, and then the state responded with incredibly violent repression, mm-hmm. uh, which only fueled the protests even more because Colombia has been dealing with an incredible level of state and paramilitary violence, uh, you know, again, at the behest of the U S for decades. And right. so that's, you know, what's been going on. And that has continued basically unabated for the last three weeks. We're now up to based on numbers from NGOs in, in the country, at least uh, 50 Colombians have died uh, mostly like over, Overwhelmingly, uh, like, you know, just civilians at the hands of the security forces. Right. Yeah, we've had over 1,400 people arbitrarily detained. Uh, 21 women have been subjected to sexual violence. And over 520 people have been reported missing. Um, so, like, this has been uh, an incredibly... Uh, a violent response from the state to what have been like had been (laughs) pretty much just peaceful protests demanding the withdrawal of, of really regressive tax and healthcare reforms that had been pushed by the government. And these protesters, they're getting really creative in the face of this violence, right? Like they're not just responding to it with like bricks or Molotov cocktails or whatever, which they would be well within their rights to do, but they're actually uh, the unions and indigenous groups uh, have set up roadblocks on major highways and the National Strike Committee informed the public that it will open a new humanitarian corridor in the Calca department to allow the passage of food, fuel, and medical supplies for hospitals in Papayan. I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, which is, you know, facing continued uh, pushback, violent pushback by the mobile anti-riot squad SMAD, which still cracks me up that that is, <laughs> is mad in like bad Spanglish. Like that's yeah. so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is this, I mean, this has some shades to me of like some of the roadblock stuff that we saw from the, the farmers movement in yeah. India where they've made like that the national strike committee and the folks do it. And, and like the, the various groups involved, like the indigenous groups have been very clear, like to the people, like we're blockading these roads for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. And this is a, to protest against the government's, uh, like crackdown. It's not to just, you know, like want like lay siege to the people in these cities. And so it's like, they, they, 
they have not interested in in stopping the movement of food and fuel. Right. And and, and so they, there was like one of the spokesmen here for one of the groups from the the regional indigenous council of uh, Kauka said, "quote We want to protect the rights and lives of Kauka's residents. We hope that the government will value this effort and maintain the dialogue with the protesters." Uh, representatives. Yeah, and I mean, like this, the we keep mentioning like India and the the parallels here. We we mentioned in the episode before, like are pretty stark when it comes to some of the laws, the neoliberal laws that are being handed down that are basically designed to repress some of the mo- most marginalized people, uh, people who are generally doing their best to get by, and and doing and the state is doing whatever it can to make sure that that is extra difficult so that right. the struggle is impossible to surmount. Yeah. And even in some of the more casual conversation around this, like we have uh, Papayan's mayor, Juan Lopez, thanked the protesters for unblocking the Pan-American Highway so that, quote unquote, citizens can stock up during such difficult times. And it's like, well... I understand that, like, the protesters had... <laughs> he created the bad times in his <laughs> Exactly. Life. We created a problem where you needed to block a highway, and now I have to thank you yeah. for blocking, for unblocking the highway as if you had done it for no reason, right? right. Like, as if this had just come out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and so, like, one other thing, though, that has been... I mean, in, in, in face of all of this horrific violence from the state, there have been victories already mm-hmm. f- though for the protesters because like it uh, after the first week or so of protest uh, d- the duke government was forced to withdraw the new regressive value-added tax they wanted to put into place and then on this wednesday after three weeks of the strike the senate was uh, basically withdrew what had previously been been listed as basically overwhelmingly likely to pass a complete privatization bill of columbia's healthcare system which was this was another one of the key demands of the strike committee so like duque can be out here you know standing with his like we're gonna we're gonna stop all of the you know violent protesters but like the the people who actually have to make sure that you know the people don't tear down every institution that these like repressive forces have erected have already re- realized that they have to actually meet some of these demands, right. you know, uh, yeah. lest, uh, they be cast from power. Well, and like the, de- the demands aren't ridiculous. They're just asking for the demilitarization of the cities and to please stop massacring protesters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that one of the things that we need to remember is anything that is designed to introduce privatization into something is literally a fascist policy. Absolutely. They call it neoliberal, but I mean, that's because neoliberalism leads right to fascism and those policies are, are explicitly fascist policies. Yeah. I mean, like in a lot of cases, when you hear the word neoliberal, maybe not when it's bandied about by like crazy ultra conservatives or whatever. But when you hear the word neoliberal in serious political conversation, that just means like soft fascism, liberal fascism, mm-hmm. not that weird conservative fascism. Yeah. It, it, fascism behind an algorithm in an HR department. Yeah, with a bunch of <laughs> NGOs telling you that it's okay yeah. or whatever that are really actually governmental organizations. Well, we met with the one person that was, you know, what we call reasonable and we did what they said. So now you all have to go home. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like that's I, it's always that it's the co-optation and like bringing in like oh you want us to bring in like this sort of person well i bet we can find the sort of person that meets that that 
that like aesthetic uh, description, but then is going to just do what we want. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're always going to be like, oh, we found check out this incredibly woke article about why the Colombian government is actually right by somebody who's from an incredibly, you know, oppressed background and, and meets all of these social justice quotas. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the article, it's like uh, the author of this article works for a lobbying firm that represents Chiquita and Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, right. I, and I mean, so like, but one thing that I, I have really appreciated about what the National Strike Committee and, and the people of Colombia have been doing here, and again, another parallel with the successes and, and like the, the struggle of the people in India has been that when the government has uh, basically come to them and said, okay, fine, we'll, we'll talk to you. The response has not been, okay, fine. Now, everybody, we're going to call off the protests while we talk. Right. It, it's, it, it's instead been the exact opposite. It's been keep coming out in the streets every fucking day until they meet the demands. Just because they've said that they're going to talk to us, like, doesn't mean that you stop protesting because it's one of the easiest ways to, like, fake out a protest and sap all of its its momentum away. And, and like, the, the level of experience and understanding that's been shown by the leadership here, I, I think, has been, been great to see and has already shown some results, and, and it's been, like... Good to see them continuing to call for that, as they said on Thursday, that um, even though the government has again asked to enter into a new round of talks, they said, quote, we will insist that the government demilitarize our city and, and stop the massacre of peaceful demonstrators. We will also demand an end to Duque's neoliberal measures. And so, like, Hell yeah. they're, like, eyes on the prize. They're not, like, out there just, like, they get one sign of conciliation and, like, you know, lose all right. the momentum. And so it's that's been very inspiring to see. And I mean, if anybody teaches you like how to negotiate or how to haggle, you know, they don't teach you that. Like when you have an advantage, stop, right. <laughs> start, start right. letting the other party, like, like get things back from you. When you have an advantage, push your advantage. And I love that the Colombian protesters, like I, I, I guess understand that either instinctively or at an organizational level, because it's definitely showing. Well, I guess on the the thought of pushing back against uh, a hostile government, we can move mm -hmm. to our, I guess, a, an additional kind of follow up because we did talk a little bit about Palestine and um, and the Palestinian struggle. But uh, I know that we this article is from like what, a week or two ago, mm -hmm. and this is about a general strike being called in Palestine, which actually showed a lot of like uh, the way that because there were strikes that uh, that happened and it, it really brought to light a lot of the fact that like Israel needs Palestinian work like they they are they they started to struggle when these these strikes were coming to pass. Whoa, an apartheid society thrives off of the exploited labor of an oppressed class? That is amazing. I have never seen that before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm sure all, all of our listeners are well aware by at, the, at this point, you know, of, of the, the recent escalation of violence by Israel in particularly in Gaza, but, you know, across Palestine. and They um, shot the AP offices <laughs> with a rocket. And, and the, the fucking AP offices. <laughs> and the AP is such a fucking spineless, mm -hmm. amoral organization that they then <laughs> responded afterwards by firing one of their reporters for being critical of Israel as a student. Yeah. So like if you have any hope that like this sort of like action is going to, you know, make the the western journalistic apparatus like grow a spine on this issue, 
I would put that to rest. What is actually going to put pressure on this issue is what, you know, this sort of thing that we saw like earlier this week uh, during this general strike where, like you said, like Lena, the, it really demonstrated how reliant the colonial economy is on the labor of the occupied people. I, I saw a tweet. Uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the numbers. I'm, I'm not sure of them off the top of my head, but it was about like the, uh, from like the Israeli builders association where they mentioned that during the general strike, only something like a hundred out of about 60,000 Palestinian uh, construction workers across the country actually showed mm-hmm. up to work during the general strike, completely paralyzing like construction projects across the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that a lot of people think about this, like Israel Palestine conflict is that there's like a nice neat border and all the Palestinians are on one side, but like tons of Palestinians live and work and you know, experience their whole lives in Israel. Like the, the high follow-up committee for Arab citizens of Israel that's calling for this general strike is made up of Palestinian members of the Knesset in addition to Palestinian mayors and leaders of civic movements and stuff. So like, I think it's easy to think, especially sitting here in the United States, that like this is one of those conflicts where there's like a nice, neat border and uh, everybody's just being like progressively like pushed further and further physically. But like the situation is much. In fact, really what makes the situation as messy and horrible as it is in some ways is that it's simply not that, you know, this is a this is a conflict between two uh, and and multiple, I would say, groups of people that all live in uh, the same nation, not necessarily state, but the same, you know, nation area. Right. I Oh, I just scrolled down to the meme review. I wanted to see if we had this one in there. But uh, I mean, like there's literally that one. It's the 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 this the same photo, the Pam meme uh, from, oh, yeah. from the office about like literally the, the map of the past, like what, 60 years of Palestine, of yep. Israel basically pushing Palestinians out and then literally the Native American land. Not only there's two different versions. There's one version that is the United States and the like native land that was basically taken away. And then also Canada. And they're identical. Mm-hmm. All three yeah. maps are fucking identical. Yep. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, that was the blueprint for the Nazis. It was the blueprint for South Africa and it's yep. been the blueprint for Israel. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, like the, 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 the British pioneered this model and deployed it around the world, unfortunately to great and horrifying effect. Sure. Um, uh, India is a great example of that. Yeah. Ab- we're always absolutely. talking about India. So this strike, like, as you're saying, like the the integrated nature, like of the economies, uh, plural sort of, it, you know. Again, it's it's hard to even talk about them as separate economies, like of right Palestine and Israel. Um, like the pictures that were coming out of this, because I was looking through like Al Jazeera and, and and a couple other news sources. Which that was another thing. It took a while for anything I noticed about this strike to show up in the major Western press. Uh, like mm-hmm. it was all over, you know, most of like the English translated press from the region. But like, sure. there was just little stuff a couple of days later as like a side note and everything else. Because I I think it's obvious when you see like the paralysis instituted by something like this, the interconnected nature of the Palestinian struggle with struggles everywhere with, with like, you know, struggles f- against racism in this country, struggles against settler colonialism here and worker struggles. And, and so like 
talking about it in the whole fucking clash of civilizations, uh, a thousand year religious conflict framing that the U.S. likes to frame this stuff in like mm-hmm. that. That's like, no, no, this is it's this is its separate thing. It's very complicated. Yeah, and it has you're not nothing allowed to, to talk do. about Israel unless you have a theology degree from an evangelical Christian university in Kansas or whatever. It's just like and that's because that, that's like the mythos, right, is that we're not supposed to look at the Israel-Palestine conflict as an economic conflict, as a class conflict, as a modern, you know, historical and social and cultural and racial and ethnic conflict. We're not supposed to think about that. We're supposed to think about it in this, like, weird, mythologized, like, fundamentalist, implicitly fundamentalist Christian assessment of, like, how religious doctrine and and empire and divinity is all supposed to work and you know i don't know maybe i'm too like marxist or just atheist or whatever for all that but that doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense to me yeah and and the thing is it's like i think one of the other great things though to see during this this recent escalation has been that despite the like I would say pretty solid lockstep uh, continued support from the major press mm-hmm. and from Western governments. You've seen eruptions of support for the, the Palestinian cause uh, from workers organizations all over the world. And, and one of the ones that we, we put in here was a story about uh, Italian dock workers in Livorno oh, yeah. who there was supposed to be, there was announced like on their like docket of ships that were going to be coming through their area that there was going to be this ship carrying weapons for Israel. And immediately the, the unions that, that uh, run the docks there, it like sprang into action, called a, a complete strike for the day. And then <laughs> basically they're like, oh, uh, the ship actually wasn't going to park there we're definitely not just moving it to another port because we're worried about this right yeah yeah they definitely they scabbed that work out but but also i mean like i encourage people to look at where's the name of this thing because like yeah livorno you should look up their freaking soccer team like that shit fucking rocks they got ham six in their goddamn (laughs) soccer team it's great Yeah, like the 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 <laughs> Communist Party of Italy influence seems to remain strong in Livorno, which which fucking rules. Because yeah, the the Union uh, Sindicale de Base, which I'm a hundred percent mispronouncing because I don't know how to pronounce things in Italian, um, denounced the arrival of this ship, the Asiatic Island, um, that was that was carrying weapons for Israel. And um, so they, with colleagues from this other union, the Collettivo Autonomo uh, Lavoratori Portuali, the Autonomous Port Workers Collective uh, in Genoa, called, called for this strike. And this is at the same time that there have been demonstrations throughout Italy. And, and I mean, I'm sure people have seen the, the, the pictures from around the world from this weekend. Uh, on on the anniversary of the Nakba, where there were thousands of people marching in Milan and and Rome and and and, and all over you know the world, and and the unions even put out a press release after the strike, uh, declaring their solidarity with the Palestinian people and demanding an immediate end to the bombing of Gaza, as well as an end to the expropriation of Palestinian homes that have been under military occupation for years. And so, like this, you're getting a better stance and analysis from a from these dock workers than you can see from a, any politician in the united states well and we've seen that even like with like the ilwu and and i mean like other sorts of port workers i mean as the as soon as you get 
any level of militant union in a like transportation sector, especially international transportation, like what happens at ports, like that's when this shit flies off. It's really like if you are I mean, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are working in a port, but you need a communist union. You need to get that <laughs> shit on lock. Well, I mean, uh, one, I, I was just remarking about this to a friend uh, yesterday, which is that, like, it seems like for some reason, transportation and shipping workers uh, realize their power better and seem to be more prone to radicalization in general. Like, if you look at the, the longshoremen and even the Teamsters in the United States, they're still two of the most, maybe not radical, but, like, very progressive Unions, and I think even our own uh, dock workers here in the U.S. have struck in solidarity with the Palestinians at least a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think like you've got the combination of like their position in like the system of circulation of goods right. makes like the sort of like choke point nature of their job, I think a bit more obvious than, than right. a lot of professions. And then, especially on like the dock worker side of things, uh, I mean, it, it, this is a, it's kind of similar you see with like just cities in general where you have you're going to have a ton of different cultures and groups sure. like mixing and coming into contact with each other in a you know regular working environment which right. is is going to like I mean, obviously, you know, there can be other consequences to it, but generally is going to be like, you know, more likely to fo- like foster that like internationalist uh, aspect because you've got, you know, you have ship workers from one culture and you know sailors from another like they're doing the same job so right. it's, it's an immediate common point of well, and it attracts it attracts it's a thing that attracts a lot of disenfranchised people because it pays yep. relatively well even though it is intensely difficult work uh but you don't need like an advanced level of education for it you need like just your on the job training which the union will provide or the employer will provide and then it's it's also i think it's like you said basically the the like choke point of goods distribution is so apparent like you think about like i have a trucker uncle who growing up he would always tell me like hey anytime you buy something at the store you should be thanking a trucker cuz guess how it got to that store and in all honesty that's very true but it's it's kind of like a way of thinking about it is they're just less alienated from their labor right cuz when you sit in an office typing up an excel spreadsheet it's like what the fuck am i doing this for but right. when you are hauling a cargo load of like bread and bananas to a grocery store in some you know podunk town in the middle of america you know exactly what your labor is producing right 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 exactly. the reason those people eat yeah and that that carries a lot of weight with it definitely yeah and and so there was a couple other protests i just wanted to mention real quick that i saw that that were really cool there was a group of protesters in england and in, in leicester um that shut down a uh, company that makes <clears throat> drones for israel by occupying the building's roof for multiple days wow. oh yeah that's the one where the where they tried to get the fire department to get people down right and they're just like sorry not my job boss <laughs> yeah they're like yeah i don't think stopping a protest is part of my job description so y'all can fuck off that was that was in Le- lester like leicester Spelled like in the UK. I don't know if it's Leicester or Leicestershire because uh, the British don't know how to pronounce their own language. Um, Yeah, French (laughs) French phonology and its consequences have been disastrous for the human race. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I just also love the idea of a bunch of like British firemen trying to show up and being like. 
should we get them down off the roof? And they're like, I don't even know if we can. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just think about them being like, should we just go for a pint? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just leave. Right? Like, <laughs> just fuck there's off. a pub right there. Like, <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. My contract says that I got a three hour minimum. And if we get out of here in a half hour, that's two and a half of free. That's two and a half free hours. Yeah. No, but it's very cool to see, uh, people occupying the roof of a building. That's some, that's some energy. Like a lot of people will like pick it in front of a building or whatever, but just occupying the roof is like a way of really putting, you know, putting yourself out there and saying, look, we're doing this. Yeah, and then the other one that I saw that was uh, also cool because it kind of ties in with stuff that we were talking about, um, there was a group of 250 Google employees, in, um, including the involvement of several members of the Alphabet Workers Union, that like published an open letter, like, you know, petition statement of demands to, to Google, um, demanding that they uh, protect anti-Zionist speech and protect, you know, Palestinian rights uh, to, you know speak for their liberation on Google's platforms and, and, and stop enabling, you know, the, uh, the, the U S system of censorship that exists around this topic. Yeah. I mean, isn't it so like anti-Zionist speech and the policing of it by tech companies is like the ultimate, you're the real Nazi, <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, yeah. don't do an apartheid state. That's bad. People are dying. We don't like that. And they're just like, you're a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, honestly, it seems sometimes like these be, like the people that, that level that are just like so excited that they get to level that charge at someone right. instead of being the person that it is usually deservedly <laughs> being aimed at. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, I think at least... At least here in the U.S., I have no idea about in the U.K. The environment there on this topic is fucking wild. But yeah. I mean, they they have like they don't have free speech laws, and they can lie about like genocide in China and yeah, and, and shit. So. I mean, the whole the whole way they pushed Corbyn out right. was accusing him of anti-Semitism, which was yeah. like there were some people in the Labour Party who had been anti-Semitic, but like just because you're the leader of an enormous party that has a couple of anti-Semitic people, it doesn't mean you're like permissive of anti-Semitism. And on top of all that, Jeremy Corbyn actively tried to address anti-Semitism in the labor party during his entire tenure there. So, well, I don't know what well, and also like, about. uh, if, if, if you're concerned about like anti-Semitism in the labor party, wait till I tell you about the Tories, but like, <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, regardless, I, I do think at least, I think there's been some movement on, because like the, you know, what we would consider the left has been, you know, pro-Palestinian for a long time, mm -hmm. but I, the media and the media is fucked because they're completely spineless and controlled by access journalism. But like the, I do think that the progressive quote unquote, so the social Democrats do seem to be coming around a little hey, bit on this issue. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. I was shocked at how not bad AOC's takes on this conflict yeah. were. I was like, I was, I was ready to believe that she was like, like your Pelosi's and your Schumer's. I don't think that she had much of a choice when Rashida Tlaib literally says, send BB to the Hague. So, you know, yeah, but that's which, also which a correct. banger tweet and an all time <laughs> opinion. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously the Hague is only designed to prosecute uh, black Africans. <laughs> well, right. I mean, the, the Official Hague enemies of the U S empire. I mean, shit, they didn't even want to try the Nazis at the Hague. Stalin had to insist <laughs> on trying them. They were like, oh, we should just shoot a couple of them and then put the rest into government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, put but, them in. God, I don't know. You know, but, wanna, do you want to go down a do you want to go down a rabbit hole on this one? Because I know that we fucking can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could do a whole episode on the the United States uh, eagerness to work with Nazis. But yeah, there there was a popular movement uh, among uh, the English and the American ruling class at the time that, despite their Nazi backgrounds, the former Nazi officials were still the only people, quote unquote qualified Mm -hmm. to operate and manage a new Germany, which is just like the most psychotic bullshit I've ever heard. And those are the people calling you anti-Semitic for uh, criticizing Israel for uh, blowing up Palestinian children. So (laughs) without a doubt though, it's so funny. So anyway, I, I mean, since like to, to roll back to the topic, like, I mean, there's been a ceasefire quote unquote, but like, this isn't the sort of conflict that has set starts and stops. It's a set, it's a colonial occupation. Like the violence is constant and pervasive and will not end until there's an actual societal confrontation. Right, with they, it. I mean, they, I mean, not to keep going over the list of egregious things that Israel has done, bombing a bookstore. Like, isn't it one of the only bookstores in that, in like the, yeah. um, in like Palestinian still controlled areas. Mm-hmm. And so like, now there are not books. Yeah, they they blew up the largest <laughs> bookstore in Gaza. They blew up two of the largest residential towers in Gaza. When the, but, yep. but, oh, they detonated a smaller explosive above the building half an hour beforehand, so it's humane. But They fired a warning <laughs> shot? Yeah. What a fucking joke. Which well, that's what they were saying. The IDF would like tweeted theater. out about how like, oh no, no innocent people could have died because we warned them because they 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 send these like smaller bombs to hit the top. But then those bombs don't even always fucking hit. But like the, the all right, all right. So there <laughs> is an episode of Citations Needed mm-hmm. where they go over this, all the tropes, and then also you know, I always love to hold the hold up death panel. Um, Adam Johnson of Citations Needed was on death panel talking about this. Like, listen to that. Yeah, Hell but yeah. their whole thing with Hamas is the same thing as like the U.S. essentially being to Iran. Like, hey, how come you put your country so close to all our military bases? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's the same thing, but it 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 was definitely. As horrifying as it was to see all of that violence, seeing the unity amongst like the Palestinian people and people like like mobilizing in in material ways to to try and push back against that has been really inspiring, especially things like this general strike and these these dock workers and all these other folks like actually going out there to try and like do their their what part they can in in, in pushing back against the suppression. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's actions like that that in the long run like actually make changes in this sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and like, cause we saw that with South Africa and like, there's a reason that we keep like, like that the BDS movement compares it to that because there's so many parallels. Oh my God. Yeah. Not least of all, like I, I bring this up all the time, but like, I think last Boycott, year or earlier, and sabotage, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and Israel, like they, they claim to be like a nation for all Jewish people, but they consistently deport African Jews, Ethiopian mm-hmm. and Eritrean Jews, mostly back to Africa in larger and larger numbers every year. Like there's an incredible amount of racism that happens institutionally in Israel. If people want to see like the links between all this, I highly recommend Domenico Lacerdo's book, Liberalism, a Counter History, mm-hmm. uh, where he kind of goes into basically from the founding of liberal capitalism straight through today's U.S., there is this consistent thread of this incredibly violent racialized like colonial system that is required 
to keep liberalism going. And, mm-hmm. and the violence we see in Israel, the violence we see in the U S is a manifestation of all of that. So like, it's good that we're seeing movement from like the people who will actually be able to enforce change on this sort of thing. We definitely, uh, covered quite a bit here. And like, we, we, I really encourage everyone to use some of these other resources to get more education on this topic. Cause we definitely could keep going on, but we do have more stories that we want to hit today. And so we're actually going to be moving to additional, like, I think these are almost all follow-ups at this point. There are fresh stories, but this, this one right here is actually about the UAW workers who were getting their tentative agreement last time. Um, well, and we're like, well, be careful because they might reject it. And then they did reject it because, well, that's, I guess that's the start of the story since we've been doing a little bit since the, uh, the news part of our show, we're, we're here to, to bring ourselves up to date on this, (laughs) on this issue. Yeah. So, uh, a few episodes ago on episode 45, we mentioned this, uh, strike by, uh, UAW local 2069 workers, um, at Evolve. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. at a volvo truck manufacturing plant did in you Virginia. say 4 2069 <laughs> i wish they gotta add a four in front of their I in I front of their I local interrupt the news we should jokes. we should email them and ask them <laughs> i mean they're they, they making it easy for us all you have to do is say like i'm gonna do a favor for 2069 <laughs> <laughs> that's right so they they they've been on strike because uh to get a new contract with Volvo, the UAW, as we as, as Lena mentioned, had uh, announced a, t- a tentative agreement with their uh, bargaining team. But uh, turns out that the actual workers at this plant didn't really like the UAW's proposed offer very much. <laughs> they, they had a they had a quote here. Uh, the they made a billion dollar profit off our labor. Speaking of Volvo, and we got nothing. Said Ron DeSisk, a three year assembler in the chassis department there. And I couldn't help but be struck by some of the parallels uh, in this, in the UAW's behavior here, and some of the stuff that, like I mentioned in the the recent uh, overtime episode that I did uh, uh, on Detroit, I do mind dying about um, workers in Detroit, because the way that the UAW went about the negotiations here, and this is all like Labor Notes did a great write up about this, and, and that's where like we got the information for this. Um, Normally, when the UAW has these agreements, they put the tentative agreement on, online so that all the membership can easily access and read it, as you you know would expect to happen these days. But with this agreement, they didn't do that. Folks had to go to the, the UAW hall to physically get copies of it. So the folks who wanted to review it and critique it had to go get a physical copy of it and then go copy it themselves at their workplace. This is literally a Douglas Adams bit. The, this the is blueprints were available the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. This is literally just like the opening chapter of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a book at the beginning, which is designed to illustrate how absurd and bureaucratic Britain is. <laughs> <laughs> which I think I think that that one goes, the Earth is to be destroyed for an intergalactic highway, and the aliens are like, the plans have been inside of the city hall on this other planet all along. We don't understand why you're mad. And it was just a parallel (laughs) of the the very opening of the book, which is where he's lying down in front of a bulldozer about to demolish his house, where they said the plans had been available the whole time, and he had eventually found them in the basement of city hall, down a broken staircase in a locked drawer covered up by a bunch of other drawers. 
Yeah, well, so that's, and it was lying on top of this tentative agreement that the UAW had signed (laughs) with with Volvo. Um, And so one of the problems that the the folks ran into, because 91% of the workers voted uh, last Sunday to reject the agreement, um, which is one of the biggest like margins I've seen in a union election about anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, who are the 9% who voted for it? (laughs) The people who drafted it with the UAW? (laughs) Well, yeah. And so like some of the workers pointed out that, that like one of the reasons they, they, they struck in the first place was to try and get rid of a two tiered wage system, which has been in existence at Volvo. And again, is, has been a complaint of workers at, lots of, you know, plants, uh, for a long period of time, because that's one of the ways that the businesses can split the workforce between like, uh, you know, more senior workers who have been there longer and are close to retirement and newer workers who are coming in and looking more at, you know, like ways to advance up the, the wage scale. And they mentioned that new hires start at 1677 an hour, get a dollar more each year for five years, up to a max of 2177. But there's a set of core members, those with more than 15 years seniority who have a top pay of almost $10 an hour more. And Mm. while the tentative agreement closed the gap a bit, it still left those that stratification in place, which I mean, again, like inevitably would lead to a divided, you know, union and a divided workforce, which isn't in the interest of anybody (laughs) except the company. Real labor aristocracy hours. Right. (laughs) We, we literally saw this. We had one of the workers who had a super special deal at our shop and they hated the idea of the union because what was going to happen is that they weren't going to be able to be in a separate tier. Yeah, they, they were somebody's they, yeah. pet before, and they didn't get to be the pet employee who got treated better than everybody else, and that felt like a downgrade to that. Yeah, and and the other thing, this is another thing you see everywhere. Uh, the proposed agreement was going to see that their uh, like out of pocket healthcare costs rise to two thousand dollars a year with a four thousand dollar deductible. Four thousand dollar deductible is an unusable insurance plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's fucking terrible. Like that's the sort of deal I would expect you to find. Like if you didn't have a union, <laughs> like, right? The, so these are like some of the main things. The other things they pointed out was that the la- there was language in the contract that would have allowed union officials to agree to alternate work schedules, like uh, working four 10 hour days, like alternating shifts, like week to week, um, and based on whatever the company needed. Um, and it would also get rid of time and a half pay for over eight hours. If you were doing one of these alternate schedules and, and it, the article, the labor notes article mentioned that, that these alternative schedules are popular with management at the big three automakers, unsurprisingly. And again, unsurprisingly, very unpopular with the workers who it would make jump through these awful fucking hoops of like constantly changing your schedule. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that they mentioned in here was that like, uh, members were forbidden to campaign during the vote at the union hall on whether people should vote for the, the, the contract or not. And there was a police presence at the union hall all day on the day of the what election. The fuck. Like, That's outrageous. That would be bad if that was at the company. Yeah. 
But it's like the UAW. Oh no, we need to. This will be a better election if we have the cops involved. Like, I gotta be honest with you, we're really not making the UAW look very good over the past couple episodes. Well, <laughs> no, I don't really know. Not all unions are created equal. Although it's also not us making them look bad. It is them making themselves look bad. Yeah, I yeah, gotta I say, we just comment on this, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to be like, see, all the unions are corrupt. It's just like. Unions don't do shit like this. <laughs> that, that's really more what I'm trying to get at. Please stop doing this stuff. Well, right. Like it's uh it's like that that Malatesta quote where he's like, if anarchists uh could not sufficiently organize themselves to operate without a state, then I would not yet consider them very good anarchists. It's like, look, if your union cannot sufficiently provide a reasonable and healthy organizing environment, then I would not yet consider it sufficiently a union. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And I loved one of the notes they had in here about some of the workers' responses to the to the uh, tentative agreement, where there was one high seniority worker posted a video of himself sitting on a toilet, where he'd cut up the tentative agreement and put it on a toilet paper roll, and <laughs> and one of his kids from off screen asked, "Dad, what do you think of the contract?" <laughs> And, and and another like worker posted a, a picture of people burning the agreement and stuff. So I, I appreciate the enthusiasm and 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 the right, uh, creativity. We get those yeah. Snapchats that of of people burning the contract. Yeah. Well, like Dope. that's the energy that like conservatives wish that they could like attain, right? Like when they're like, oh, you know, such and such company said something I don't agree with, so I'm gonna buy their products and then burn them in videos on Instagram. It's like that's. <laughs> ridiculous but then when like a union has handed you a contract that is going to determine your life for the next few years and you're just like i am gonna fucking disrespect this vocally and publicly (laughs) and it's about something that actually fucking matters like that fucking rocks that is like yeah that's the energy they wish that they could attain they're doing like a terrible dollar store version of right oh yeah because i i you've you heard me in the background. I said something about like it being six, six years long, but no, no, that's the new version. They have a new yeah. tentative agreement for, and I mean, this contract is six years long. Don't t- they should not take it. I mean, it almost yeah. doesn't matter how good it is. A six year contract is fucked up bullshit. Like there is no way that things will remain in a, like a peaceful way for that long it's literally impossible it's too much time for the company to take advantage of the situation plain and yeah, simple. that's right and the other thing that the, the the there was just to go back like real quick there was a quote in here kind of drove me nuts when i read it because it was they were talking about at a meeting uh where they between union officials who had been negotiating the tentative agreement and union workers who had you know questions and and, and disagreements with the text of the deal and one of the people on the negotiating team was so exasperated with one of the workers questions that, that he responded, quote, if you don't like the agreement, you can go work somewhere else. Jesus Christ. And I'm just like, that's coming that person from was fired immediately. Right. <laughs> I wish <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like, that's the attitude coming from the negotiating team. That's yeah, fucked up. Yeah. That's extremely <laughs> like, bad. I mean, that's like what you hear from people who are like, you like communism so much. Why don't you go live in China? <laughs> like, well, cause that's like, it, that, well, again, like that's what I would expect to hear from the company. 
But additionally, like, so one of the things about a contract that matters, the reason why we fight for these better conditions is not always just so that we can better our own lives. Because one of the things that these, like, getting good contracts does is it helps the new people coming in so that they have a better situation, too. If you, like, you've gone into a job and it's been shit tier and you know what that's like. And then maybe you fought to make it a little bit better. And that's good. That's good for everybody. You want to do that because what you do is you want other people to be doing that in their workplaces so that when you switch your job and you go somewhere, the work conditions are good. Like, like I, I don't, this whole go to another place, go like, like abandon the people you care about is what they're saying. They're saying abandon your comrades. Like, you know, go fuck yourself. I don't got time for that shit. That piss. I'm sorry. That, that line itself just pisses me off to no end. It's fucked. It's like nobody, nobody who is involved with worker organizing should ever have that mentality. Like, because all like, there's no reason to, you're just defending the fucking company. Yeah. Like, but the good news is not the fact that 91% of the workers voted against that agreement means that a large portion of those, you know, quote unquote core workers, those high seniority workers that who would still have that beneficial tier voted against it for the, like, I mean, I'm sure at least partially for those reasons that you said, because I understood it's like, we're not going to just sign this fucking contract that fucks over younger workers. And then inevitably leads to those like the union. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like, that's why it's so insidious and so like helpful for the companies to do those sorts of things, because like it may seem like a short term gain for enough people to vote for it, but then it's that poison pill long term that just saps away the credibility and legitimacy of the union. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a vote on this new proposed six year contract, uh, that the UAW just recently said that they've, uh, reached a ten- new tentative agreement for, and there's a vote on June 2nd. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I, I would imagine it, at six years, there, it's really unlikely that there's terms in there that are worth yeah. accepting. If a, that passes, I'll be shocked. That long. Yeah. If, that, if you want to sign a six year contract, it better be the four twenty sixty nine work week. Like, that's the only <laughs> possible way it would be worth yeah. it. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. But speaking of terrible companies, even hey. though we don't like talking about them, we can't avoid them because they're fucking everywhere. Uh, hey. Amazon has been up to their, usual insane dystopian tricks this week and uh yeah. vice continues to be basically the 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 amazon watchdog group for some reason which i appreciate for for finding these stories but there was a bunch of news coming out of them over the last couple of weeks that i thought was worth mentioning one of which is amazon's new announced approach to tackle workplace injuries because we've mentioned before on here a bunch of times that like amazon's warehouse work is notoriously extremely dangerous and out right. of line with 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 the standard of the work usually in fact tw- literally twice as many accidents at their right. warehouses and so what they've done is they've lowered the quotas by half because it's twice as many injuries so they slowed down the work they made it so that everybody's got well, twice well, as many people they hired twice well, as many people well, they, they've expanded safety precautions for everyone, well, making sure that everybody's got the PPE that they need. And right. We're th- well, uh, not exactly. <laughs> uh, but don't worry. They've got the solution and it's Amazon. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw up. 
Amazon. It's a fucking mindfulness program, people. It's hippie crap. It's fucking garbage hippie crap. I don't agree with with weird libertarians on much, but they're right when they tell you that hippie crap is a scam. It's a scam. Yep. It's always a scam. It's always a way to cover up your fucking your actual problems with some kind of like fucking like scented, uh, burnable, sageable like bullshit. Like. Oh, God. Yeah. There's nothing that makes me more upset than, like, well, one, it's, like, disrespectful to the religions. It's cribbing notes from, uh, like, Buddhism and Hinduism usually, but, like, or Taoism. But it's also just, like, disrespectful to you as a worker, as a consumer, as a person to be told that what you need to do is be more mindful of your surroundings and not fucking change them like that is just the 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 biggest kick in the teeth that i can yeah. imagine is for someone to be like we hired a wellness guru he's gonna do a seminar during your lunch break like that yeah, that's exactly what i was thinking is like they want you to use this fucking app while you're on your lunch break so that yep. you can practice your mindfulness off the clock so that you can be more like less likely to file a grievance later or some bullshit it's poison. like that it's like yeah. poison for it your brain this stuff is so ridiculous. I I honestly had to double check that the story wasn't a joke or a shit post because to, to, this is the description of it. The program will quote feature quote physical and mental activities, wellness exercises, and healthy eating support that are scientifically proven to help them recharge and re-energize. Part of the program will see the rollout of what Amazon uh, of what Amazon is calling Amazon. Amazon guides employees through mindfulness practices in individual interactive kiosks at buildings, according to a press release during oh my shifts. God. Employees can visit Amazon stations and watch short videos featuring easy-to-follow well-being activities, including guided meditations, positive affirmations, calming scenes with sounds, and more. This is and like, it's too funny to be the Babylon Bee, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's too deranged to be the Onion. It's not deranged enough to be clickhole. This is a Tim and Eric sketch. <laughs> yes. That's what this is. <laughs> Oh, yes, fuck. I absolutely could see them creating this. <laughs> it's yeah. a mosquito tusk. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't just dwell like too long, but like also what along with this they're they're doing this mindfulness on their own stuff like changing the name of the mega cycle to single cycle, a much more oh agreeable God. thing. And so Again, what they did was they doubled the number of employees, they doubled pay, they doubled every... No, nope. actually, they changed literally nothing but the name. They, oh, no, they, actually, they, they repeatedly called the police and fire departments on their organizers <laughs> and installed a fence that interferes with their ability to organize, according to yeah. a complaint filed with the National Labor Relations Board. Yeah, yeah, because in the context of all of this shit where they're claiming that they've they've heard your concerns about all the injuries at their warehouses and they care deeply about their employees and they're <laughs> going to address them with these stupid bullshit programs that don't do anything. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. they're out here sending out emails to all their employees at a company at, at their warehouse in Staten Island saying, quote, your safety is our number one priority. And it's important to us <laughs> that you feel safe while you're here, including when you're entering or leaving our facilities. Jeez. Recently, we've noticed people standing in the road in front of the site attempting to speak to some of you while you are driving. Although they are wearing Amazon vests, they are not affiliated with and do not represent Amazon. Please be careful and <laughs> know that our focus. 
<laughs> and know that our focus remains on your safety and the safety of everyone involved. And so, of course, the people they're referring to who are, are organizers uh, trying to unionize the facility, and Amazon is using this fucking cover of a safety threat to do union busting. That guy trying to get you a better wage? That's a panhandler. Don't give him any money. Like, it's just like, what, what, yeah. is, what is the idea here? They're just like, oh, that's just a deranged person in the street. Okay, they have problems. Uh, you're not helping them by talking to them. I don't understand what the angle is here. Like, at least in the olden days, like the, the company would be like tangible enough that they would have to come out and do some like desperate shit. They'd have to be like, the union is the devil. <laughs> you are <laughs> right. going to go to hell if you, you know, like, or something like that. But they can't even like come up with that it's this weird bureaucratic thing where they're just like oh please pay no attention to the man trying to wave you down in the high vis jacket <laughs> that says well, the company that you work for uh, you know on the chest I think that like this that's a really important point is that it actually the one thing that they are mistaking is that the unions aren't going to send you to hell it is literally being overworked Oh, yeah. yeah. Or at least an that, early grave. In a report yeah, that, that shocked nobody, uh, <laughs> right. a first-of-its-kind study by the World Health Organization and International Labor Organization has found that overwork exacerbates death. <laughs> just shocking news everyone this is really groundbreaking is research folks first of its kind <laughs> this is gonna absolutely shake the foundations of our understanding of medicine nobody has ever noticed this before folks no i know it, it it is common knowledge it is doxa it is like typical scientific understanding it's a priori yeah a priori uh you know post well what we're really doing is post hoc rationalization but it's that working actually keeps you alive you ever see that episode of madman where they ask burt cooper why he doesn't retire and he's like you ever see those retirees three years of golf and then dead yeah, I, and I'm just I, like, I, oh, no way <laughs> retiring definitely extends your lifespan right or or like and no 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 donald donald trump actually got this one right when he's like i don't exercise the body only has so much energy in it for all of eternity <laughs> that's one of the funniest takes of all time that shit was so good <laughs> but i replenish like, my the- energy with mcdonald's chicky nugs <laughs> But that's the thing. Like I saw all sorts of uh, like different places. Like I pulled this stuff for this from Forbes, but there was all sorts of places reporting on this. They're like new, like brown breaking report reports on how overwork <laughs> leads to like death. It's like, yes, obviously we have known this literally forever. <laughs> like yes. people knew this centuries ago, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they is, have it's, some numbers. It's like the basis of like, capitalism and slavery, which is that like, yeah. I don't want to do the work so that I can live longer and I'm going to make you do the work. So you die early. Right. Like, isn't that like the whole, isn't that the whole relationship of like labor exploitation <laughs> is that like, it's, it's dangerous and harmful to you to work too much. That was the thing that stood out to me so much in this was the way that this was treated as if like the acknowledgement that social conditions play a role in an individual's health is some like new and advanced concept. And I'm like, <laughs> I, if, I guess it's it's an advance over not understanding that people who like, own horses. Y'all, live we've longer. known that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. People who can afford to own horses live longer. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Think- no, that's. That's yeah, the thing ahead. where they're like, 
they're always just there. You'll see these studies come out uh, like connecting like, huh? How come there aren't so many like poor people who are a hundred years old? And oh, I have no <laughs> idea. Well, I just, it, would, it must be their Mediterranean diet. I'm like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> it. It's like the rich people live longer because they're not worked to death. It's very and, simple. And they, can, and yeah. they get health care. They go they to the doctor because they, they don't worry about going broke with from their health care. Yeah. Well, and, and even just, in I, countries with like socialized medicine, like this is the whole critique that you hear from rich people is they're just like, well, I live in a country with socialized medicine, but I get better health care when I spend a ton of money in the United States. Why is that? And I'm like, <laughs> why do luxury yachts exist? Same reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. Like. <laughs> and and the, the, the lines in here, quote, the WHO said hours should be capped for worker safety as long working hours appear to be the most significant occupational disease burden, accounting for a third of work-related disease. And WHO chief doctor, whose name is uh, really long, uh, Tedros Gabriasis, I uh, 100% pronounced that wrong, uh, called for employers and governments to work together and address long working hours saying, quote, no job is worth the risk of stroke or heart disease. And I would just like to say to the good doctor. But it is worth COVID. COVID's yeah, fine. COVID's we can cool. give all the workers COVID. Yeah. Like, welcome to the class struggle. <laughs> like, yeah. Dialectical materialism has been telling people this for a long time. Yeah, although they do kind of like give certain prescriptive numbers about this, which seem a little questionable. Like as soon as you hit the 40 hour mark, that's where the pain starts. That's where, that's where you start dying. As soon as you hit 40 hours in one minute, like <laughs> yeah. I, I think that like there's, there's definitely a little bit of ideology behind we're, these numbers. We're, we're not just used to 40 hours because it's been the standard for so long that everybody just kind of assumes it's the baseline for no reason. Despite the fact that like working hours have gone up and productivity has gone down for a long time. They're not fucking related you know like that's the that that was something that that, I, that really stood out to me in this was like the the semi like they would not think of them as arbitrary numbers but they absolutely are the choice that they like the way they, they chose to arrange mm -hmm. this data because they mentioned that working a 55 hour or more work week increases the risk of dying from stroke uh, by 35% by heart disease by 17% compared to 35 to 40 hours. And it's certainly understandable why you would, you know, check this data from people who work 35 to 40 hours, understanding that that's the standard in the United States. But by putting the numbers out and framing it that way, there's no discussion of, Hey, I wonder if working 40 hours maybe increases the risk over 30 hours. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, but yeah. but examining that might how, be political. How long are the people who only have to work like five or six hours a week live in? You know? How, how well yeah. are they doing? Is that included in the study whatsoever? Well, like, what, and, what about the guy who doesn't have to work at all? Yeah. And I, and I really think that uh, this doesn't take into consideration. Like, this is trying to be prescriptive as to what we should be doing. But if you actually look at the way that people are working right now, they're not working one job for 55 hours. Right. They're working right. two and three jobs. For 55 and, hours. Or sometimes 70 and 80 and 90 yeah. hours, depending on their situation. Yeah. And, 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 and so you've got all of the, like, not only the stress that's cause that's the other thing about this. Uh, cause this report, for, like, at least from the abstracts, I didn't read the whole report. Um, but like right. the, from the way that it's been reported on at least is, uh, which I'll give the caution there. Science reporting is often incredibly bad. So 
this is a description of the reporting, not the report itself, but the reporting on it at least seems largely geared towards professional workers rather than people, you know, working the majority of jobs in service, retail, production, you know, precarity, blue collar sort right. of stuff. And, and so, cause that's the thing is so much of it is basically set around. It's like, oh, well, if you work between 40 and 54 hours and you never hit that 55 mark, then you're, then, then yeah, maybe you have a somewhat increased risk, but you don't hit that 35 number when you go over 55, I can easily see that being the sort of, of thinking right. that companies that want to portray themselves as like, com- as, as employee friendly and forward thinking and science believing will be like, we have a hard cap at 55 four hours a week so that you don't hit that deadly 55 hour mark. And I also love the American emphasis on the whole idea that like white collar jobs are somehow killing us more than blue collar jobs are. It's like, is sitting at a desk bad for you? And it's like, yeah, it, it presents some problems for people, health issues that they're tied to that desk all day. But like, what about like, agricultural workers and like people who have to do grueling physical labor day in and day out. Like we don't even talk about those jobs most of the time. And, and I mean, I mentioned COVID earlier. I mean, they're not even taking into consideration other sorts of, of like risks that workers are constantly at. I mean, with the CDC lifting their mask mandate, they're basically putting a ton of fucking people in at risk right now. I mean, like really suddenly there are people literally, I mean, think, I mean, we might even been in the starting clip. I don't know if we got it from Dan talking about it, but Dan was talking about someone who literally got fired because they're like, no, we want the mask mandate because we have people who can't get vaccinated here. And like, and then people get fired for that shit. They shut down businesses over that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's because we just wanted to mention like this because obviously like folks are aware the CDC lifted the mask mandate for vaccinated people. But the way that, that they've gone about this, which isn't really a mandate as much as it is a guideline. And, and the way they've gone about it has been the shittiest way they could have handled it for mm-hmm. workers. Because it's like the thing with this is I'm not going to fucking shame anybody who's vaccinated for not whatever. Do your fucking thing. But like the importance, the reason that this is so fucked is that this completely throws all of the responsibility for workers in anything that's even remotely customer facing all of the responsibility for safeguarding their own health is now just, no, no, it's your responsibility to be the mass police. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Completely individualized on the workers themselves. And then even then you're at risk of being disciplined for trying to enforce people's mass usage. And, and you're like, I I imagine anyone who's working at Walmart. I mean, uh, what was it? I don't, I don't even remember what I was listening to is like someone the like in like a couple minutes after the CDC made their um their guidance announcement or whatever, someone they came over the announcing speaker and said, "Hey, the CDC says no masks," and everybody rips off their masks and cheers in the middle of yeah. the fucking department store as yep. like workers look on in horror. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. It's like I get it. I don't like wearing the masks are fucking annoying. Like, uh, but like. There's a lot of people who can't get vaccinated for one, whatever reason or haven't had the opportunity to perhaps because they're working two fucking gig jobs 70 hours a week to try and make ends meet. Like also so, we're exporting the virus to countries around the world. Exactly. Yeah. And so and, and, and yeah, like you mentioned, like because I don't I, I don't actually know if the recording got it, but like there was in in Salem, New Hampshire, just as an example, uh, Bull Moose Music, which is a, a regional chain of uh, record stores. Uh, their staff at this location like 
confronted the management with con- concerns that they lifted their mask mandate. And the response from the company was, well, fuck it. We'll fire everybody and close the shop. Jesus. And, and we'll just, you know, eventually we'll re- replace the, the disruptive staff and reopen it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just moved to Michigan, and I don't know if it's the that people in Michigan are more, like, mask-resistant than Pennsylvania, or that it kind of coincided with the CDC announcing that they weren't uh, pushing the mask mandate anymore. But, like, people up here... Half. It's just like half the stores. Yeah. People up here just don't fucking wear them. Yeah. Half the stores don't actually say if you're vaccinated, you can elect to wear a mask if you want. Like they actually made brand new signs. They went through this whole production <laughs> process just yeah. so that they can like put some sort of you've got the option. And yeah. you know what? I, I am not like I don't think any business should waste their fucking money on that bullshit. Like just leave your fucking ma- your mandate up. It's stupid libertarian brain. Like I understand. Understand. Look, I'm as anti-authoritarian as they come, but like the whole idea that like a mask is really a yoke or a muzzle and that there's some kind of like Foucauldian, like a bad reading of Foucault happening where they're exercising their their authority <laughs> and biopower over us with the discipline of, a, someone of who... the yoke of the mask. And you're like reading a Gombin articles and you're like agreeing with them and you're like, oh my God, they finally contained me in the cage of God. And it's like, no. You are wrong. You are an idiot. A mask is a medical device. Put it you know, on. I'm like, going to be honest with on. you. Uh, a conversation with someone about why they don't want to wear masks is more of a prison than the mask itself. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd uh, rather wear a mask for the rest of my life than listen to one yeah. more fucking idiot be like, uh, they microchip those. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways. I'm not surprised the CDC, you know, completely threw the fucking workers to the wolves on that. It's the United States. That's kind of the status quo. But in breaking from the status quo, let's end on a a good story or a good combo of stories, which is we've got a couple of stories here from snowbrains.com, which I think is a great URL about uh, two different groups of ski patrollers who uh, just voted to unionize over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I mean, like these are these are stories that I was particularly interested in, just because uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess some of my family likes skiing. I've been to some of those places. I don't I haven't been skiing in like years, but um, I I know that these people are like basically first responders. Like these uh-huh. are people who are there, and like I can't count. I've been on the ski hill a couple of times, and never once did I make it through an entire day where someone isn't on a stretcher? I mean, like these people are, are very hard work. Like not, not to glorify any work, but like these are literally like first responder people and they're, they're, basically they're being paid shit they're they don't have any like good protections or anything like that right. like imagine being a first responder and not having your job protected with the with the it's especially dangerous litigious nature of the fucking united states well, and then it also draws an interesting parallel to lifeguards who are often not yes. paid very well uh or or treated well in the workplace either and it's considered like a disposable job the that sh- where you should just hire oftentimes high school students and then just you know pay them miserably yeah, yeah i mean this sort of like recreation adjacent employment is like is rife with the like 
this is seasonal work. So the best thing to do is hyper exploit young people for it and yep. tell them that it's, you're basically just having fun all day. You're on the slopes. It's oh, like, man. yeah. W- while these people yeah, are like, John's a recent addition to the off. seasonal work. <laughs> I, well, and also like, I just moved back. I live in Holland now, but it's right by Saugatuck where I grew up. And the entire Saugatuck economy almost is exploitation of high school and college students during the summer and and like border seasons on either side of summer. And like that is that's like probably three quarters of the economy in that town. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think that one of the things that I wanted to point out about the Breckenridge vote is they really, really exemplify the the law here with the 50 percent plus one to win because it was a 43 to 42 vote and they got their union so i mean like it's it's an interesting time it's very rare that it is that close it was it was really close and i think that in most cases people would not get their union when it's that close but luckily they did um and then also the other one was the big sky resort in uh montana their vote Mm -hmm. was super cool though it was 69 to 21 very nice nice numbers (laughs) very nice numbers well speaking of incredibly nice numbers Should we move on to the funny part of the show? <laughs> I guess. I've been, I've been telling jokes the whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I've been, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, no, I, right, I mean, right. I, 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 uh, I have been moving into my new apartment, so I'm seeing these memes that my co-hosts have put in the meme review for the very first time. And I got to say, they're really, I don't know if it's just that I haven't seen them before, but they are funny as shit. Uh, the first one that I'm in love with is the two most stolen items in the world. And then it's like a crappy lighter and a Bic pen, but the Bic pen is labeled surplus value of workers labor. And the crappy lighter is labeled indigenous land, which is just like such an incredible banger post. I want to like shake the hand of whoever made this fucking meme. Yeah, I, I just like this because it's like this like took very little effort to make. Yes. And yet, it summarizes the general history of the United States. <laughs> oh, the, and and a lot of the world, yeah, Australia, I mean, South Africa, you know, <laughs> really the 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 whole post Anglo Empire yep. uh, period of the last couple hundred years. <laughs> Everything Britain touches turns to this meme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And wow. the this next one, this one I put on here because this is a genre of meme that I personally love as a uh, nuclear energy dork um, <laughs> i thought this was like partially because it's like the signs on doors thing it, like we were covering it like is. it's been all over but but yeah what, yeah. what, what was it, it say? so this is this is a it, it's related to that so we talked on on the last episode um or two episodes ago i, I think last episode about the the recent you know the, the biggest labor movement in history of people right. quitting their signs jobs on and doors signs on doors which is cool it's rad that people do that, but people have been a little ridiculous about it during the labor shortage. Right. But so this is a, a, a meme of somebody took, it's like, this is supposedly, you know, something somebody taped to the door of their, their store before they quit. 
and just says, we are short, or no, this was be for management. Is it's a, we are short staffed. Nobody wants to work anymore. This place is not a place of honor. No highly esteemed deed is commemorated here. Nothing valued is here. What is here is dangerous and repulsive to us. The danger is to the body and it can kill. The danger is unleashed only if you substantially disturb this place physically. This place is best shunned and left uninhabited. Isn't that literally <laughs> the sign that's supposed to like be to, to, uh, like warn people whose language has changed over like a millennia that there were nuclear nuclear waste and bombs in a certain area. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a very like, yeah, this is the obscure genre of memes referencing the universal pictograms devised to explain to people in the far future who do not speak our language, what nuclear waste is and why they need to stay away from it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also such a funny idea because it like, uh, like a society that continually developed would not need these. They would already know that. So I love, I love that these, these like these codes, these pictograms assume that at some point there was a catastrophic fall of civilization from which people are slowly recovering and that they would look on a site that is guarded or preserved like this as somewhere where maybe something worthwhile to steal or excavate or whatever would be and they have to warn them like a fucking Adventure Time episode that like, (laughs) please do not go in here, it will just kill you. Like, (laughs) Yeah. This next one is actually similar to the signs on doors, which is actually just like a uh, an Exxon um, gas price uh, sign. And it just says regular gas, fuck you, plus gas, fuck you, and Supreme... <laughs> This one also says "fuck you," and then there's a little sign where so there's like the you know you can put those single letters in to make it say whatever you want because it's not like a digital sign; it's like the old school ones. But it says, "The boss thinks I care about my job. Well, I don't." And, <laughs> you know, this is just good energy. It's just good energy. Yeah, like, I like that this isn't like I quit. It's I literally do not care and I do not fear your response. So I'm just going to put the funniest statement I can yeah, think of. I'm just going to fuck with it and keep collecting the paycheck <laughs> till I'm fired, which I assume will be soon. But if it's not, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Great energy. Yes. Yeah. And then we and have then, a, uh, yeah. an, an incredible skull meme, which I, I really think that like, it's like badass Eddie from, from Iron Maiden. Iron or Maiden whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. badass skeleton, like mo- th- cause that comes from like biker and trucker culture, right? Like uh-huh. that's what makes it popular in the United States. But it's like this, this grim reaper looking guy pointing at you and says, yes, I've heard both sides. Israel fucking sucks. <laughs> and Israel is spelled wrong. But it's spelled like Israel. <laughs> and, well, uh, I mean, come on. It, it It's so clear. It's like yeah. it, if it was a real country, it wouldn't be named. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, this actually just brings us to the next meme, which right. is uh, a Pikachu next to two flags, two Palestinian flags. And the text above it is a two state solution. I don't know about I don't know. Uh two Palestines seems like a lot of Palestines. But okay. All right. And the Pikachu's just smiling, giving you the thumbs up and just like, sure, two Palestines. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Palestine I, I, A and Palestine B. I mean, I feel like there's almost Yeah, like why would you need to divide them? That almost like smells to me like 
which there might actually I don't know. It's not I, actually being proposed, so it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. I, I just, it's I supposed just, to be a joke. It's supposed to be yeah, dunking yeah, yeah, on yeah, yeah. anyone who believes in a two state solution. Of course. Yeah, well, because that's that's the standard recourse of the like, no, no, no. I really do care about the the oppression of the people, Palestinian yeah. people from those libs. I just want to do the two state solution, which is, is it, all that is, is an abdication of the struggle. I mean, this citation, the, the, listen to the citations needed episodes on yeah. this. They cover all yeah. of this stuff in great detail. Right. And yeah, I mean, if, if people want a two state solution with two Palestines, I mean, Hey, that, you know, that's what <laughs> people want. <laughs> Who am I? Seems to, like too many to Palestines to that. me, but I guess, I guess we can make that concession. I, I would think you could get yeah. by with one, but just if, they, one. if they want to, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, uh, that's the episode for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you would like an extra episode, in fact, we're maybe shifting up our thing. I'm, we're not. We're still kind of feeling it out, but we're going to be trying to do mostly news episodes as public episodes, and pay, possibly more of the Patreon, um, like the uh, the overtime episode, like Dan did. And honestly, go check that thing out. Like, if you liked the small excerpt from Detroit, I do mind dying that you heard before. Like, it is an hour and a half of of just absolute like bangers of of of, like quotes from the book and and information but uh and to get those you know become a patron uh you can also join the discord to uh hang out with us and tell us what you did and didn't like about whatever we said uh follow john on twitter at facebook villain me at solidarity b uh john is also on beep beep lettuce the podcast and dan is on red game table we appreciate y'all listening today and we'll talk to you next time solidarity forever solidarity solidarity everybody it's a musky-tusk. Musky-tusk. It's a musky-tusk. Musky-tusk. It's pretty good. You know what, tell it, 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 tell